Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening and watching this video, listening to this podcast. This is England is Burning for March 15, 2021. This is your Manchester United weekly feature. Uh, I have back with me Mark from the Barmy Army to join us again today to give us his opinions and insights into some news that has happened over the last week, which may or may not affect the women's team. We'll see. Uh, and also give it just maybe give it a little bit more deep dive into uh, the Arsenal match coming up since it is right around the corner and it is extremely pivotal uh, for both sides coming up. Mark, welcome back. Hi, thank Keith. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So let's start with some uh, some news, and I'm going to try to go in chronological order over the last week. Uh, so there's three things that have happened uh, that I w- would like to get some uh, some insights on what what you may be thinking about them, and what what some of the fans of the women's team been thinking about um, the three events that have kind of happened. The first one I want to touch on is I, I know in follow as I have followed Manchester United. One of the things that fans have seen cry out for is for uh, some restructuring of how the club is operating from a footballing standpoint. Uh, And one of those ideas was, why doesn't Manchester United have a director of football? Why doesn't Manchester United have a technical director that actually handles the footballing element? Uh, Why is Ed Woodward, who's the vice chairman of the club, why is he running football operations? Uh, Things of that nature. So uh, in a a seemingly surprise move, suddenly there was an announcement from the club that uh, indeed a director of football had been I would call appointed, uh, they called it promoted, uh, and it is a gentleman by the name of John Marto, I believe, uh, yeah. and Darren Fletcher, who was a former player, um, you know, for United, uh, was hired on or appointed to be technical director. Um, in the statement, uh, you know, uh, that United put out, um, you know, they were very pleased with the appointment and what, and they announced what John was going to bring uh, as, as football director. And I'll read it straight from the statement. It says, as football director, John will work day to day with Ale, uh, Ale Gunnar Solskjaer, the men's ma- manager, uh, to align recruitment and other strategies and to ensure that the first team has the best in class operational support it needs to succeed. Now there's that, but then he, the further on in the statement, he also gave a quote um, that I wanted to, to mention because he specifically mentions the women's team. John Murto said, and here's a statement in quotes, this is such an exciting time for everyone at Manchester United with the first team, academy and women's team all performing strongly and plenty of development still to come. It's a privilege to be a part of that process and an honor to lead Manchester United's football department working alongside Ali, Casey, Casey Stoney, the manager of the women's side, and so many other truly outstanding staff, all dedicated to delivering success to this club. Mark, your thoughts about the appointment of John Morto as as director of football how does that affect the women's team how is Darren Fletcher being appointed in his role how does that affect the women's team if at all so um John's been at the club since David Moyes was manager so he came in uh, just after Sir Alex left and he's been there ever since and he's been restructuring when I say restructuring he's been redeveloping the um academy teams to, to have better facilities and then he was a part of 
the, the start of the women's team. John was very influential in, in, in the recruitment. He was very influential, in, in, I believe, in getting Katie to the club. As for a director of football, I, I'm an old school football fan. I, I make no apologies for that. I believe, in, in, and it is my belief, that the only person who should have the power within the football club is the manager mm-hmm. on the footballing side. Because if, for me, the manager is the one who makes the transfers, I'm the one the manager who picks the team. And I know John's not that kind of kind of a guy. He's not going to be doing that. And as the press release has said, and as Ollie has said, any final decisions on transfers are going to be Ollie's. It's not going to be John's going to go out and buy Messi. And, and Ollie goes, I don't, I don't want Messi. It's going to be the decision is going to still be Ollie's to make which I think is, is, is great and it's fine and it's the way the club should work. Ed Woodward, and I'm, I'm very pro-United. I make no apologies for that. I, I am a United fan. I support United. Ed Woodward is a brilliant, brilliant businessman. He is. But his knowledge is business, where his knowledge might not be as much as football. So to bring in that director of football to take the, the footballing business side probably away from him is a very, very good thing. I don't think many United fans will argue with that. The, the, the true test will be when we get to a transfer window and we'll see what happens there and then. How will it affect the women's team? I don't think it'll affect the women's team hardly at all. I think the, the women's team is run by the way John set it up. And I, and, I, and I think it will continue to run that way. Whether John has um, a hand in everything still, I, I don't know. I, I think that's to be seen. Uh, but I, 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 can, I continue to think it will run the way it is. As for Fletch, I don't think Fletch will have much to do with the women's side of the game. I think Fletch is a coach for... With Ollie, I think he will just stick to the men's side of the game. I could be wrong on that. I, I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of um, details given out on what Fletch's real role is going to be, except for a technical director. All in all, it's it's news that most United fans were happy with. I know I I, I was 50-50 with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, we need to get back to the success of being a footballing club and you know you go back to when Sir Alex was at the club you know you had David Gill who was the chief exec David Gill understood football but he also understood business and he was the perfect person for that role but once David Gill left it was Ed Woodward who was kind of in that role and it was kind of easy to see that he didn't really know the football inside he knew more of the business side so I'm 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 happy that it's happened, but the proof will be in the pudding of what happens off the field, off the field, as far as recruitment and and everything else. So my understanding from United fans overall, just talking about a cl- the club structure in general, I think there were th- there are three camps of United fans with this news, and one one camp was the camp that you're you're in which is hey this sounds like a good thing so let's wait uh, uh wait and see uh you know what kind of how it goes uh i think there there was another group of fans that were uh that are 
a little bit more skeptical and are like, this is just, you know, like a shell game uh, where it's like, yeah, this is really, you know, what's this Martaw guy done? Uh, and you know it's just like switching nameplates basically uh really nothing really changes because still everything has to go through ed woodward everything still goes through the glazers so there's that camp and then there's another camp that was very positive about the whole news and thinks yeah this is a great thing this might be what exactly united needed from a footballing standpoint that that a lot of other clubs most other clubs that are run well uh have footballing directors uh you know the the age of the 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 all-encompassing person that knows both sides, football and business, um, may have come and gone. Uh, there are very few out there, as we've seen. So there's like, you know, particularly three camps um, and so forth. So uh, now the question I had from something that you mentioned, Mark, was uh, so in terms, you mentioned Ali was in charge of transfers and in charge of, of running that part of the operation, who comes onto the team and things like that. Does Casey have the same uh I guess work better for lack of a better word, power to do the same. I, I believe so. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, we run. I know it's very difficult in these times to say how the club is run because, for, for me as an outsider, and I am a Man United fan. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a season ticket holder at Old Trafford. I have a season ticket holder for the women's team. I've seen the club being run as one club, all equal, mm-hmm. men, women, all together. They, they train at different facilities. You know, that, that's a different conversation. Casey will know who she wants to bring in. Casey will also know who she wants to let go. Right. And it will be her decision. Whether the whether she sits down with John, I, I, I don't know. But I, I think the decision will ultimately be, be hers to make. Um, because I think that's the way it's always run. She's got a list and she's always said she's identified her recruitment for the following, for the summer, usually around December, January, usually around December time, she knows who she wants to like to bring in. And then they can start the negotiations if and then. I don't see it changing. I, I really don't. Um, but going back to, to, to the point that, that you made about the, the three camps, yes, there is a lot of anti-Glazer people out there. But the Glazers don't really have a lot of say within the club. It's all really down to Ed Woodward and, and Richard Arnold. And, you know, the club is run as a business. And, I, you know, we've talked about this. Football clubs should be run as a business. And it, it's where we are. United can generate money very easily. They are the biggest club in the world. And, and you know, I make no, no bones about that. The act, to me, they are the biggest club in the world. But United can buy and sell and make, you know, do merchandise and do whatever they can. The Glazers don't have such a say in it. And I know we're going to get onto the Glazers in, in a little bit. Ed Woodward is a businessman. I said it before, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the amount of sponsors he's brought in. But in, in the current situation that the world is in, I am very proud of my football club, the club I support, because they never made any staff redundant, they never made any furloughs, they they never, they've paid all of their staff, that's match-going stewards, everyone throughout this entire time. And United are one of the very few clubs, I think City as well, I think both Manchester clubs have come out of this pandemic and they can hold their head high. And it's the way we've, they've run. 
And, you know, there's a lot of anti-Wed Woodward people out there, but throughout this time that we've all been in, I'm, you know, I'm saying, well, well done, Ed. You've, you've shown your true colours of, of what you what the club is. And, you know, I, I applaud the club on that. I know it's not the kind of the subject we were talking about, but mm-hmm. Ed Woodward is a businessman and he will be looking at a business. But the most important part of the business is your customers. Mm-hmm. And he will be looking after his his entire staff. And, you know, I, I'm very proud of the club, the way they've handled the whole coronavirus situation. And I know, I mean, you ju- I, I know I, you just mentioned that it's not exactly what we were going to talk about, but I think it's an important issue because I'm very big about how a club is run. And we've talked about it here before. I've talked about it all the time about, you know, does the club have, you know, the club has to be a business because you have to generate some level of, of income in order to operate the, operate the club. There is no there's no other way they don't operate on some other type of market system that means like they got to generate income and then does the club manage itself financially well enough to uh and and use the resources they have in the adequate way to promote what they want to promote and do and to achieve the values it's trying to achieve the question mark that that fans have of united supporters have had over the years is okay well is it really i mean we know that manchester united has a lot of money we know they have a lot of resources are they allocating those resources properly are they using it properly and meaning are they getting the right personnel in the right places and as well as the there's the front office as well as the who's running the club from an administrative standpoint on on the day-to-day operations like we were talking about who the managers are and who the who the players are going to get this all trickles down to the women's side because they put in a lot of resources and a lot of effort into the women's team to make it what it is now some very skeptical people will look at United uh, doing what they have done with the women's team as a, uh, as a stroke of marketing genius, because by doing this and putting enough resources for them to be successful, to make it into the, the upper top four of the WSL within a short, very short amount of time, yeah. that that was a marketing genius stroke, because then it's like, you've now tapped into one of the biggest fan bases in the world with the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in the world. I wouldn't say it's the biggest club in the world, but it's one of the biggest. Um, and some will argue with me about that point. But the point is, is that it automatically makes the women's team one of the most popular teams in the world and puts the WSL on a bigger map. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to how the club is operating from the top down. So anytime we talk about Ed Woodward, anytime we talk about John Marto, every time we talk about whoever is running the day-to-day operations above Casey, that all has to trickle down, which then leads me to the next point. So there is a camp of people who are glazers out, Woodward out, no matter what. I think the people, I, I don't have as much issue with Ed Woodward because I know he's not a football guy. He's a yeah. business guy. And I, I agree with you, Mark. He's done very well from a business standpoint, but he doesn't really know football. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think he does. But mm-hmm. the thing of it is, that's why this move to get a technical director, get a director of football was a strong move, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, but we have the owners and 
you mentioned that the owners really don't have day-to-day operational, you know, um, they're not really that hands-on, let's say, yeah. with, with the day-to-day operations. However, it's their club. They own it. So the news was this week was that Averin Glazer, who, who basically is the owner now, he is selling, you know, class A stock in the club. The club is on the, the is on publicly traded. Yeah. That he's selling up to about a hundred million worth of class A stock. Yeah. Now, the other piece of that, that, that Glazer out people are really loving, well, loving, and I say that in air quotes, is the fact that none of the hundred million that he's going to possibly raise in the sale of the stock is going to go back into the club. Yeah. Now, Mark, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Okay. As I said, I make no apologies for it. I'm a Manchester United fan. Am I anti-Glazer? No, not really. They bought mm-hmm. a business. Right. They bought a business. I mean, they, they've made lots of money from it. And they've also probably lost some money from it. The sale of the shares, you know, it, it, for the, everyone out there who's anti-Glazer, Avram Glazer selling his shares, actually is a very, very good thing because it reduces the level of ownership that they have by about mm-hmm. 3%. 3%, right. So that's, that. you know, for everyone out there who goes, we want the Glazers out. Well, if he's selling his shares, he's not going to have as much of an ownership, which brings it back to the club ownership, which is what a majority, most Man United fans would want. Mm-hmm. As for the money not coming back into the club, you know, when you break down the, the sale of his shares, it's, you know, like you said, it's about $100 million, so $100 million, so it's like 70-odd million pounds. Mm-hmm. Yes, that money could be useful right now in the worldwide pandemic where we are. And, you know, the timing probably isn't the best time to do it, knowing where we are in the, in the world. But... For everyone out there who's anti-Glazer, as I said, if he's selling, they're not going to have the ownership. It's coming back to where we want the, the club ownership. You know, it, the, the Glazers have always put the money into the club. Whenever any of the managers have said, we want to buy this player, this player, this player, the Glazers have never said no, which is one of the very few owners in my opinion, who have never refused to get players in to better the club. Mm-hmm. When Sir Alex was there, Sir Alex had a very rigid wage structure. He would never pay more than certain. And that's why we never went out and got the big name players. Mm-hmm. But whenever Sir Alex said, right, we need to, the Glazers said, there you go, do it. And he, they did it. The Glazers have always backed the club. So... I don't have an issue with them. They're in it to make money. They're entitled to make money. It's their business. Mm-hmm. But when you see them taking, you know, the debt of the club up to, you know, £455 million, yeah, that's a big number and it's a big bad number. But also remember, that number might not be as big if we weren't in a worldwide pandemic where we've not had crowds in at Old Trafford now for... over 12 months Mm 
Mm-hmm. They've not been able to go on um, pre-season tours to China and the Far East and America and, and do the normal things that we could do. And, you know, sponsorship as well. It, you know, these things can't happen in the world we live in. So when you look at the Glazers, yes, they're taking their money out of the club and they're making some money back. You know, mm-hmm. that's a different conversation for that's a different conversation. They're entitled to take the money back. But mm-hmm. the timing is probably not the best time to do it, in my opinion, because where we are in the world. Should the money go back into the club? It would have been useful if it could do, because I think it would lower our debt, it, you know, to lower the debt, to pay them off. But as I said, I'm not anti-Glazer. I'm, I'm pro-Man United. And th- there's a lot of people out there who are anti-Glazer, anti-everything else. I'm pro-Man United. And if it's for the betterment of the club, then I'm all for it. So my opinion is mixed on this. Uh, and I think that having 455 million pounds of debt is a bore business business model. Uh, yeah. And that the, the essentially the club was bought on debt, um, you know, was not bought straight out. It was bought on, you know, basically Manchester United was bought with Manchester United being the collateral uh, yeah. asset. You know, in that, in that, you know, I, I think that in itself is a setup. Fans are upset, I think, about the, the stock sale, mainly because it's like, wait, that money should go back to the club. You already are getting to, to pay out on dividends a year um, already. You've already taken out money already on dividends. You've already, now you want to, you know, sell your stock. Now you're absolutely right. The share, his share goes down from 75 to 72%, which, okay, that's great. That's closer to halfway more part of being majority owner. But, um, but on the other hand, Mark, I agree. It's his business. Uh, he has every right to sell what uh, things of value. If you want and to get money and money back, that's his right to do. Yeah. I'm, I think the timing, as you said, I agree. The timing, I think, is poor. Um, you know, I, do I wish that the, the money would come back to the club? Because I think that would help the women's team. I think it would help all the, the academy. I, the, the, you know, the roof needs to be fixed at Trafford. I mean, all those things, yeah. you know. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's bad optics. And the Glazers are never good at optics, um, yeah. you know, and, and so forth. So it, it's, a, it's a real struggle. All right, let's get off that um, and so forth. But I really appreciate your, your, your feedback. That kind of really helps me, you know, uh, you, you, you know, when it, it comes, a bit better. Yeah, when it comes to the, the club ownership and the way it's run, the, as I said, I don't think the Glazers have much of a say in it. It's down to Ed then mm-hmm. Richard Arnold, and then it just trickles down to the heads of whoever else. So John Murta and, and Fletch, they'll have a say in, 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 in certain things. And it won't be, it won't have to run up the flagpole to Ed or Richard mm-hmm. Arnold. It mm-hmm. will stop with John or Fletch. And, mm-hmm. you know, that might be, you know, Casey saying, I want to bring in X, Y, Z players, but I also need to get rid of X, Y, Z players. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts it, and it, those things won't have to go to Ed anymore. They will be going to 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 the heads of of the set of the department, and that's the way it should be run. You should, you know, for me, I said it before. You let Ed run the business because he's brilliant at it. 
most United fans will say, as a businessman, he's brilliant. As a football guy, as you said, he doesn't know a lot. Mm-hmm. So let him do the business and let the footballing people do what they do. And that's football. And that's the way it should be. And that's why the news of the technical director and, and John is coming in as director of football was was it was it was applauded throughout by most United fans. Right, great. So let's let's move on to as we inch closer to this Arsenal matchup on Friday. So the, yeah. so I think uh, Manchester United women's football Twitter broke. I mean, I think it literally broke on Friday. Uh, so I, I, you know, and I'm t- on Twitter a lot, as all y'all know. I'm on Twitter a lot, and that's probably not a good thing. Twitter, Twitter is Twitter. But yeah. So I saw. Um, so the so. Ivana Fuso, who is uh, from Brazil, she's 19, now 20 years old, I believe. She had her birthday, I think, on Friday, Thursday or Friday. On her Instagram, at her, I guess, birthday party that she had, she was photo- She posted on her IG, and she's in a foot boot. And I saw United Women Twitter break. <laughs> As in, oh no, not another injury, not another injury to a forward offensive player. That add that to the list of all these offensive players we don't have, uh, and the 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 word that came, the word that started trending a little bit was injury FC. And so my question to you, with all these now offensive players out, and and we can talk about who might be back, uh, if there is anyone of that list that's going to be back, like um, Laura James and so forth, um, is Manchester United injury FC now? Um, I, I think, you know, as, as a footballing fan, you can accept injuries. It's part of the game. You know, people Absolutely. get injured. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the the injuries to our front line, yeah, we're decimated. We are down to literally the bare bones. Mm-hmm. Now, what we don't know about Ivana's injury, we know it's season ending. We know she's now out for the rest of the season. Right. We don't know how it happened. We will, I don't think we'll ever know that. We don't know how Tobin got her her injury. We don't know how LJ got her injury. The only injury we know about is Leah's because it happened in a game and I think they had to announce how that what that injury was. Um are we injury FC? As I said, injuries are part of the game. They happen all the time. It just so happens that it's happened to most of our attackers in one season. What you might find is next season, it might happen to defenders or midfielders. It's, it's, just, it's just one of those things. Um, there was never a good time to get pick up the injuries we've picked up. Mm-hmm. But when you pick up injuries, you know they're going to get fit again. You know, So, yeah, Ivana's done for the season. It's a shame because we were starting to see glimpses of her playing and, and everything else, and it was it was a it's come at a bad time with, in my opinion, the biggest game in the women's in the women's team's history on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But if Ivana's out, and as we've said before, 
you know, when we, it gives someone else the chance to step into that place and say, hello, I'm still here. I'm going to fight for this, this place. But on the flip side, again, of that, it might be you bring in someone from the development team, bring in the youth. Again, it's part of United's DNA. It's a part of their history. So, yes, it's, it's horrible that we've picked up all these injuries. But sometimes it, it can be, you know, you can bring in the youth, you can bring in a player who we've forgotten about and they can play and go, I really like, I forgot how good that player was. It, it, it can go both ways. And, and it really can. And I, I guess to pardon the pun to play devil's advocate, and we yeah. are talking about the Red Devils here. Yeah. Uh, I, I put on a tweet and I was like, isn't it, I'm not sure is it a coincidence that on the men's side, there are all these forward players that are also that are injured. And then also on the women's side, all of these forward offensive players are injured. Um, there were a lot of accusations that were made. I'm not sure they were fair um, by, by some fans on, uh, you know, in social media that is this a issue because, you know, what happened to Fuso was that in training, uh, you know, we get a lot of these training injuries, it's an ankle, it's a leg, what's going on with the, the, the uh, physio department and the medical staff yeah. and things like that. Is there an equality issue, uh, in play? Um, I mean, you know, all sorts of things like that. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm sure I, I've heard it. Yeah, I've said it before. You know, you can't go into a football training. You can't go into training and not train as if it's a game. So do I expect defenders to tackle the forwards? Yes, because you can't go up to them and play tag and go, right, I've tackled you now. You've got to go in and, and, and you know, practice as if it's a game. But... You know, what people say on social media, I, you know, I'm not one of those to buy into it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't because I think I would rather have a team that is training at full intensity than a team that doesn't train at, at, at half an intensity. So do I expect Millie and Amy and, and Maria Thoris here to tackle Jess and Jane Ross and Kristen and, and all the forwards? Yeah, I do. Because I think that's the way... Casey might want it. She don't. She, if you go in and train at half pace, when you get to the game, you're not going to be at full intensity. So again, it's it's down to people what people want to believe and what people want to see. And for me, I'm one of those people that I I I want the team to train as if they're playing the game. And I, and I and I agree with that. And I mean, and it's always a hard call in terms of how intensely you do train, uh, and you know, in, in preparing, particularly now. Manchester United is is right now this season not in the same in that same position where they have to have like three game, essentially three games in a week. That's yeah. going to happen hopefully for yeah. them next year uh, yeah. where they're going to have to prepare for, um, you know, European competition um, because they're in the, you know, they're in the running, uh, obviously in the running for that. And that's why this game is important. So let's go to, let's go to Friday. Yeah. So. Um, hold on one second. Sorry about that. Y'all. 
Um, so is there anyone who was on that lengthy injury list? You know, we, we had press was Christian press was not available uh, in the last match. Lauren James was not available. Um, uh, Lisa Russo was not available uh, for the last match. Any of those players possibly going to be back? Uh, as I said last week, Kristen was left out of the Villa game as a precaution. Right. Now, from the photographs that you can see on Twitter and social media, and also from the club, she wasn't in any. Uh, Kristen wasn't in any sort of strapping that I could see. So she was she was walking, not you know, in trainers and, and whatever else. So I, I I think it was if it's just a slight niggle, it was right to leave her out of the Villa game, and I think. She start if she's fit. She starts for me on Friday night um, against Arsenal. Um, as for the others, uh, Casey said in an in interview that Leslie Russo was two weeks away ish, and she said that a couple of weeks ago. So there's potential that she could be on the bench um, for Friday night, depending on her fit level of fitness. As for LJ, I, I honestly I don't know. The, the club have released no no details on on the injury to LJ. Um, it, to, to me, and it's my opinion, I think it's just a reoccurrence of the injury she's had throughout the season, and mm-hmm. um, it, it it could be down to something like that. I, I, but I honestly I don't know much about LJ. Um, someone was saying I think Tobin is out of the boot now, mm-hmm. but I think it's too soon for her to. Be match fit. I think it'll be probably into April ish when we might see Tobin again on the pitch. So Casey typically uses a four-two-three-one formation. Yeah, uh, and so forth. Who who do you expect then to be up front? Do you want me to give you my starting eleven? Because I yes. actually could... right. Okay. Go ahead. So Go right ahead. Mary Mary in goal. Okay. Uh, Honor. On as left back, Amy and Millie is my two centre backs, and I'm going to put Maria Thuris dot here in at right back because okay. I don't know I don't know about Kirsty Smith how mm-hmm. if she's fit. Uh, Haley Lad is my DM. Okay. In front of her, I'm going to go with Jackie and Ella Toon, and then my front three will be Chris. Uh, Kirsty Hansen on the right, Jess in the middle, Kristen Press on the left. Okay. Now, if Kristen Press doesn't make it, okay. I'll, t- I'll play Lucy Stan. Okay. That's a, so. How do you feel with that lineup going against what Arsenal put, can put out there? Because Arsenal, I so, think they're fairly healthy. Yeah. So we, f- my opinion, we can't mm-hmm. afford to get beat. If we come away with a if we come away with a point, as long as we don't lose any other games this season, we get third. Mm-hmm. If Arsenal beat us and then they go on a run and win all their remaining games, and we win all our games with the exception of the Arsenal game, we'll both be on I think it's fifty points, and Arsenal will get third on goal difference because they have a far superior goal difference. We can't. We can't afford to get beat. It's and I said it before. For me, you know, I've been to most United women's games. We played Arsenal at Borum Wood in, in the Conti Cup 
a couple of years ago. They narrowly beat us 2-1. They beat, they, they beat us at LSV uh, in their, our first home game of the season last in the WSL. They've got a last-minute winner. That game, to me, it should have been a draw. The game's going to be close. The, whoever scores the first goal is going to be massive because it'll give them the confidence. Do I think we can win? We've beaten them this season. So, yeah, I think we can. But it depends on the starting eleven. If If... We can have a, you know, we're not going to have a fully fit squad. If we can have a fit squad and the starting 11 that I said, or maybe, you know, Kirsty Smith comes in at right back or Martha comes in at right back, I have no issue with that. If it, if it's forward of the back four of Hayley, Jackie Tooney, Kirsty, Jess and Kristen, I think we can beat them. Do you think there'll be any type of tactical changes on Casey Sparta, is she going to try to play attacking high press play on the front foot as she typically has been in pretty much every match this season? Yeah, I, I think Casey will. Yeah, I think Casey will know the importance of this game, and she mm-hmm. will, she will, she will probably have. You know, there will probably be a five ten minute period at the very beginning of the game where she's looking and she's trying to work out what's going on, and then she can s- switch the tactics during the game. I, I think their goalkeeper isn't great, Arsenal's goalkeeper. And again, we've said it before, just take shots. Mistakes can happen and, and let's see what happens. Um, I think the game will be played in the first half, in the first half hour at a decent pace by both teams. And then it'll be who's got the, t- who's can get, you know, the legs will get tired and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it was a very tight first game. Uh, yeah. that was played at um, at Lee Village uh, and it was 1-0 uh, and, they, and the thing as I mentioned we talked about last week which I still hold on to because uh, we could talk about Manchester United's injuries up front all day long uh, but you know we don't know who, who's going to end up starting there but we do pretty much have a good idea who's going to be in the back four and that back yeah. four has been pretty solid and they held a the at the time a juggernaut offensive side uh you know with the the players they have uh you know meet them forward you know McCabe I mean all, I mean everyone can play offense on that squad uh but they held them to note to a clean sheet and a, a expected goals of 0.4 uh they limited you know limited opportunities they limited Miedema being able to touch the ball uh as often as she would like to um all of those types of things so you got I, I give the advantage I mean, again, we've talked about defense, defense, defense. I think in a game like that, that's going to be the pivotal, pivotal part of it, right? Yeah, both defenses are going to have to play well. Right. But I've said it on on, on this, talking to you, we've kept, Miedemar's never scored against us. Ellen White, this season, we've kept Ellen White quiet. We've kept Miedemar quiet. And our defense, and... and you know, we, we've talked about the defence before. The defence is solid. And if we can just, if you know, just be solid, if they're solid again and play the way we have played, with the exception of the the Reading game and the City game, if you take those two games out of it, you, you know, we've discussed it before, we've been solid throughout the season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We can't have... Any little mistake, you know, this is the game where we can have zero mistakes, in my opinion, mm-hmm. zero mistakes. We've got to defend corners properly. We've got to get out. 
and we've just got to, in many ways, defend from the back and then mm-hmm. hope we can hit them on the counter. Because I think there's, I think we've got pace in that team. Mm-hmm. And I think we've also got some very, very good footballers, as have Arsenal. But we'll, we'll play, it'll be a very, I think it's going to be, uh, we were talking to people yesterday and they're already nervous now ahead of it for Friday. Mm-hmm. They're already ne- yep. nervous now for it. I, I really, I, I like your, your back four lineup with Maria at that right position. I really want to see her play more. Yeah, I, I think her physicality, pace, uh, you know, defensive ability, and also being able to to uh, you know play the ball. I, I think I think that I think if she starts, if she gets a lot of minutes, I think that might could also make the difference. I really am impressed with her size, her pace, her her ability on the defensive side. Uh, there, I, I really think that could be um, really important uh, going forward. Um, so. When it comes down to the end, what's your scoreline position, Mark? Uh, prediction. Um, so, head and heart. Heart says we're going to beat them two now quite easily, but my head's going. If we can walk away with a one-all draw, that's a brilliant result. So I'm going to say it's going to be a, it's going to be a very good game, but I think it'll end in a draw. I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, and and I, I am going to have the Ar- the Arsenal weekly feature coming up, you know, in the next couple of days, probably tomorrow, where I'll talk about from the Arsenal perspective. Um, but I, I agree, it's going to be a draw. Uh, and, and, as, and as I mentioned, you know, and I think we talked about it, and I talked about it with Josh with the Ar- Arsenal feature that basically uh, Arsenal needs to three points more than United does. Yeah. I don't expect necessarily, I hope United doesn't do this. I hope they don't play for a draw, but they will be okay with it if that's what the end result is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Because one point isn't three. That keeps the gap the same between the two teams. Uh, And and again, as we talked about, even if both both sides went out, Manchester United is still third in the end. Yeah, absolutely. um, So... Um, you know, the onus is really on Arsenal, um, you know, in, in this match. And, I, and everyone knows that. Uh, it's not, yeah. not a secret there. Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and so for great conversation. I look forward to talking to you uh, after, you know, the aftermath of the match on Friday. Um, it's great great time standalone fixture on a Friday uh, yeah. as well. Um, so that will be awesome. So y'all, I will be back. Uh, England is burning. We'll close for this portion of the day. I will be back. I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to be solo for the Manchester city feature uh, later today, where I will break down the champions league match over the weekend. Well, not the weekend oh, last week with Forentina and look ahead to Manchester city against Bristol city. Uh, and then tomorrow uh, we'll be looking at uh, Arsenal as well. So in closing, I will say this. Um, as always, let the light be part of you. Let the light be around you. Let the light hug you. Let the, be aware of it. Let it be out there. Acknowledge it. Also acknowledge that the darkness is out there. I've seen it. We've all seen it. It's out there. We got to acknowledge it, but do not let it ever hug you no matter what. If it does, however, get help for yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. England is burning is out for at least this morning. Bye.